Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Getting it. 
if you take your gear out and you train with it in bum weather, if you work at it, find out all the little quirks, you'll come up with all the little fixes. There's that scout popping in there now. How you doing, scout? Hey, I'm doing okay. Uh, all right. I'm running a little bit late uh, on work again. Uh, we may have to. Uh, I may have to alter the show time if this is going to keep happening. So I apologize for that. That's okay. We got going without you here. I just relaying a little inclement weather experience I had with my O three A three and a froze up aperture sight. But uh now okay. you're here. Pop on in did there the, and continue with the show. <laughs> all right, did the uh did the show music not play? It did. Okay, 'cause I just I see it on here it's, it shows it's still playing. Uh, uh, I had credence right. on there, and I thought I turned them off. Uh, no, it's got uh, the show automatically. Uh, the the show music automatically starts uh, without you doing anything. It automatically uh, okay. starts and uh, <laughs> and runs. So maybe it's. I mean, I don't hear anything, so maybe it's not. Uh, maybe it's not audible. Okay. All right. Well, uh, the show tonight is uh, going to be covering how uh, how weather is going to affect your your training and uh, your practice. And first of all, the I don't want the the show title to. Uh, uh, I don't want it to be confusing because there's uh, uh, I don't really mean training during bad weather, at least not training with your farms. What I'm talking about is practicing because practice and training uh, are really two different things. Uh, training is is when you're doing something new. You're learning a new skill or a new technique uh, and practicing is where you're rehearsing or actually doing the skills uh, that you've learned. You're doing something you've done before uh, in order to become more proficient at it. You don't really want to train on new skills in bad weather or really in any environment that that is going to uh, uh, is going to prevent you from being focused during the training. Right, you don't want to try and learn new stuff out on the range during a cold, rainy day because you're going to be thinking more about how cold you are and about the rain and uh, stuff like that than you will be about what you're trying to learn. You actually want to uh, you actually want to train. You actually want to learn new stuff on uh, on you know on nice, beautiful, sunshiny days where. Uh, uh, where there's no distractions, it's not cold, you don't have to wear a bunch of extra clothing, uh, all of that, because you want uh, to be able to be completely focused on the task at hand. And uh, and then once you have learned uh, your skills and stuff like that, then, then you can actually practice those skills in inclement weather. So I want to make sure that I clear that up uh, 
we don't want to be learning new stuff during bad weather. Uh, we want to learn new stuff in the in the best of the training environment possible. And then you want to rehearse those skills uh, uh, under less than optimum conditions uh, in order for you to to understand the things that can happen uh, or the different requirements uh, for inclement weather whenever you're uh, whenever you experience that. All right. So <clears throat> there is uh, uh, going out to the range on a uh, on a beautiful sunshiny day is is perfect, and uh, and everybody loves that. Everybody loves shooting. Today, uh, there was a, a great day uh, for something like that. The weather conditions were great. It was sunshiny. Uh, the temperature was great. Uh, it was a great day for going to the range and shooting. <clears throat> there are a lot of things that can that can get between uh, you and what you want to do. Uh, especially if there's bad weather <clears throat> and you don't want to you don't want to suddenly find these things out uh in a situation that requires you to use your firearm in, in hunting or self defense or something like that. You want to to try and experience these things beforehand. Uh Sam and I both work with Appleseed and uh and Appleseed's policy was that uh we have the events, rain, shine, snow, fleet, uh we've had them in hurricanes and uh, tornadoes. The only thing we don't do is uh uh lightning. And I certainly wouldn't uh advise anybody to be uh practicing or rehearsing during lightning. I don't know what you'd be able to uh to find out new about that other than uh uh then you can get killed. Alright? And uh I'll just tell you right now so you'll know you can get killed doing that. So don't uh uh don't jack around with uh uh with rehearsing and stuff during uh uh during lightning storms. But you can. But we found out uh, during those many years of uh, working the line during rain and cold and everything else with at the Appleseeds, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff. Uh, because not only do does uh, inclement weather affect your firearms with them getting, uh, you know, cold or wet or dirty or whatever else, but it certainly affects you too, how you, how you function, uh, how you, uh, are going to react, uh, during shooting situations. Now, Sam, you said a minute ago, you were talking about, uh, something that you had learned. What was that? I, since I just walked in, I missed that. You had learned, uh, from shooting your rifle in the cold. You there? Well, I'll tell you one of the first things that uh, that I learned was that 
this was quite a few years ago up in uh, Vermont during a shoot, and uh, we were shooting, uh, I believe, uh, five or six hundred meters uh, on the military range there, and it started, uh, and I was instructing at the course, uh, we had uh, a chance to shoot ourselves, and it started pouring down rain. And uh, I wanted to get in on uh, the last round of shooting from distance. And it dashed over, grabbed my uh, grand out of the truck, unzipped it, dashed up to the line, got into position, put the uh, end block in, and bang. <clears throat> and when I fired, uh, the uh, I got a tremendous amount of blowback, and uh, it was water and grease both vaporized together. So, you know, if you get a little water in your eyes, no sweat, you just wipe it out. But whenever you get a whole bunch of grease in your eyes, that's it. I wasn't blinded, but I certainly couldn't see well enough to make an accurate shot at 500 meters, not with the, not with my eyes full of grease, and that's how I carry my brand because you know brands, they want to be, uh, they want to be packed solid with grease. That's how they want to operate. That's and that's how usually you want to keep them, is uh, you know packed nice and thick with uh, a bunch of the uh, gun grease. Uh, it's just like axle grease, but the action will fill up with water. And then when you fire, the mixture of the uh, of the uh, bolt coming to the rear, uh, full of water and grease, will swing that in your face. So now I know. Now I know that. Uh, I know that uh, if I'm going to take my Garand out and it's going to start uh, raining, and I want to make sure that I'm able to make sure that accurately, I know I've got to try and hurry up and clean out, clean as much of the grease out of it much of the excess grease as I can, as much of the grease that I can get out of it. <clears throat> so I see you're back now, Sam. What was it that you were uh, talking about with your rifle? I had uh, frozen up a receiver sight, went out in freezing rain and went to take a shot at a tarm again and, and uh, had big ice ball in, uh, in uh, peep on my O3A3. I was lucky I could just grab it with my thumb and finger and thaw it out and blow the water out of it pretty quick. But uh, now when I go out in uh, freezing rain like that, I've got a little cover to lay over it, like folks used to put over uh, over their flintlocks. Just a little leather cover to put over it and keep the rain off, and uh, then I don't have to worry about having ice balls or rain in that peep site. Well, let's talk about the coals for a minute because... There are uh, quite a few things, quite a few issues with the cold. Uh, uh, number one, uh, you as an individual, if you're going to be out in the cold weather, then you're going to gear up for it. You're going to wear a bunch of extra clothing, uh, several layers of clothing, a jacket. Uh, you're probably going to wear a hat and gloves, stuff like that. And uh, that makes a big difference in the way that you handle and manipulate your firearm. Uh, if you are, uh, if it's cold weather out and you're going to be wearing uh, 
uh, depending on how cold it is, you may you may you may be wearing mittens. You may be wearing uh, you know over uh, mittens over your gloves, or you may be wearing like a double set of gloves with the uh, uh, like the military has, and the civilian models have the same thing, where you're wearing like a wool sleeve with a leather or a polypropylene or nylon outer over it, <clears throat> something like that. That's going to affect the your ability uh, to find and draw your firearm uh, if you are uh, if you are trying to use your firearm in a self-defense situation, like you're, if you're trying to use your handgun, it's going to be several uh, several things that are going to come into play. One, if you're wearing gloves, it's going to affect your ability to feel and handle the firearm. You're, you're not going to have uh, as... Uh, uh, as clean or clear a tactile sense of where your where your fingers are touching the firearm because you're going to have gloves on. The gloves are going to make your hands bigger. I mean, there's going to be uh, you're going to have a different grip because your hands are going to be bigger. You're going to have more difficulty uh, maybe in sliding that trigger finger into the trigger guard and getting it on. If you have a handgun that has uh, manual safety. Going to need to uh, practice and rehearse drawing and manipulating that safety with the gloves on. You're going to need to uh, practice and rehearse uh, finding the magazine release and doing magazine changes with those gloves on. Now, you can also shed the gloves, too. I mean, you can swing those off, but then that means that there's going to be uh, some kind of a time factor involved. Uh, maybe one or only one or two seconds, but one or two seconds in a gunfight can be uh, a lifetime. So you need to uh, figure out what you're going to do. Uh, if you're going to, to find and draw uh, with your gloves on, if you're going to uh, swing them off, uh, and the situation, I'm sure, will uh, a lot of a lot of times the situation will help determine what uh, your decision is going to be, whether you have time or not. <clears throat> also, uh, wearing a uh, thick jacket is going to affect, uh, or any kind of uh, cover clothing is going to affect how you uncover. You know, how do you how you're going to uncover to access? the firearm, how you're going to swing it out of the way so that you can make a clean draw. Uh, we've talked about this before uh, during some of our classes. And uh, uh, one of the things that uh, that helped people in some cases was be uh, to carry their extra magazine in the lower pocket of the uh, the lower jacket pocket on the side where their firearm was, they carry their extra magazine in there. That way, when you uh, when you try and push the jacket to the side uh, to clear it for your draw, it has weight in it, and it'll stay away long enough for you to make your draw. 
So when you're clearing the the jacket out of the way to make your draw, that extra magazine will weight that front uh, front pocket of the jacket and give you the ability to uh, to swing the jacket out of the way to make your draw. Uh, if you're wearing a sweater, then you're going to have to grasp the sweater and pull it up in order to clear it for your draw. And, and probably you're going to be doing this wearing gloves. So you need to become familiar with the uh, with the way that you're going to do that, how it feels, how you're going to make sure that you can uh, clear your uh, your clothing away to make your draw. Uh, sometimes people use different uh, or wear different holsters <clears throat> during cold weather. I know that uh, a lot of times I will wear uh, a shoulder harness, uh, a shoulder holster during cold weather because uh, if I'm working outside, I may be wearing a uh, insulated coveralls and stuff like that. Uh, and it would really be difficult to to make a draw from a belt holster. Uh, so uh, I'll wear a shoulder holster that allows me to unzip the uh, the insulated coveralls and make a draw from my upper body. Now, a lot of people uh, a lot of people do the same thing if they're driving. They want to make sure that. Uh, that they're not having to dig down below or that they're sitting on the uh, the handgun or something like that. But this is something else that you'll need to uh, to think about whenever you're uh whenever you're practicing and rehearsing uh your inclement weather skills. <clears throat> so <laughs> the uh, just simply the clothing that you're wearing is going to uh is going to produce a fairly large effect on your the way that you are going to handle your firearm. The same is true for your rifle uh if you are wearing several layers of clothing or a thick jacket or something like that, then you're effectively adding distance. Uh, are adding length to your rifle stock. That means if you're wearing a thick jacket and it's uh, you know it's really cold and you've got a, uh, a thick jacket on or a sweater on or something like that, you may be adding up to an inch, an inch and a half to your butt stock. That's going to change your uh, your eye to optics or eye to sight distance, and uh, it's probably going to change your cheek weld as well. Uh, you'll have to uh, you'll have to manipulate your body uh, in order to get the same cheek weld because you're going to have the added distance from your what would have been your skin with a shirt over it to your skin with uh, an inch or, or or an inch plus of clothing it makes your rifle longer and increases the distance your eye relief. <clears throat> this is going to be something that. Uh, uh, that you need to think about and that you need to practice. Now, a lot that's of one of the beauties. Of, <laughs> that's one of the beauties of an M4 Scout. You can collapse it down a notch and make up for that heavy, uh, heavy clothing or body armor. 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah, you can. The only, uh, only thing I like about it. <laughs> yeah, you can adjust uh, the you can adjust the stock on uh, on some firearms. I know that people that even have uh, uh, they'll have their uh, uh, summer and winter stocks for their rifles because they've got a nice summer stock that uh, uh, that they're using, and uh, they know that in the winter they're going to have. Uh, you know, possibly more bad weather and heavy clothing. They'll have a different stock that they'll bolt onto the rifle. Uh, and that's going to affect your zero. So you'll need to make sure that uh, that you uh, that you are practicing and rehearsing um, making your shots with, uh, with this uh, thicker clothing on. Uh, Another consideration of thicker clothing and uh I've read this uh, I was reading a uh, a story recently by uh, Masada Ayub about this and uh I certainly read several stories uh from uh excuse me from uh uh police uh the details of police shootings and stuff about this is that, uh, and what Masad Ayub was talking about is that he normally, uh, for his home defense shotgun loads, he normally uses a number one buckshot. But because uh, because the individual you may be trying to defend yourself against may be wearing multiple layers of clothing, including, uh, you know, thick uh, jackets, thick uh, cotton duck like Carhartt or, you know, thick jackets and stuff like that, that uh, he was worried he may not get the penetration from the number one buckshot. So once the weather cools up and uh, he switches from his, I think, I believe the number one had uh, 36 pellets and uh, the double lot, I think, had uh, eight pellets. And uh, of a greater uh, diameter, uh, which means a greater uh, ability to penetrate. And uh, you may want to consider that when you're thinking about uh, about handgun calibers and stuff like that uh, in winter. Uh, also, there are uh, there are a lot of of new, really nice uh, micro guns. That uh, that are being sold and used right now, and I find it really hard uh, at times to uh, to use those pistols when I'm barehanded. My hand is big enough that uh, uh, it swallows some of the small ones. If I were carrying that uh, small uh, handgun and I had gloves on, uh, I'd really be in trouble. So this is something that uh, uh, that you want to think about whenever you're uh, practicing, rehearsing uh, your uh, your inclement weather, cold, hot, rainy. Uh, that uh, you're taking into consideration how uh, 
your clothing is going to change. Uh, your uh, uh, the way that you're going to be able to uh, hold a firearm. Uh, the gas-filled optics on uh, a lot of the, the rifles now. Uh, you know, gas is going to be affected by changes in temperature. It's an inert gas, but it's still going to be affected uh, by changes in temperature. And uh, really cold temperature or really hot temperature may very well affect how the light, how you're seeing where that uh, red dot is in your optics uh, or, or how you're seeing the crosshairs. So <clears throat> just remember that there there could be a slight uh, difference in zero due to the gas density that's going to be changing in the weather. Uh, the uh, let me say also too that if you are uh, if you're out in the cold and there's a lot of snow and stuff like that uh, I would seriously consider making sure that I had a some type of device to protect my muzzle, the end of my muzzle. And uh, the reason for this is because if you uh, if you stumble, and the same thing goes for rain on rainy days and stuff. If you stumble and uh, you jam that uh, that firearm into the snow or into uh, uh, into the mud, then you can you take a chance on packing that uh, the muzzle with snow uh, or ice or if it's uh, if it's sleeting if it's uh, if there's precipitation uh, coming then that precipitation could flow into the uh, into the end of the barrel and it could fill it and with the cold temperature it could ice up and become solid so uh, we want to make sure that uh, that you have some type of protection uh, from the uh, from foreign objects getting into your barrel. Because even though it's snow and it seems soft, if you jam a bunch of snow into the uh, into the barrel and uh, and wait just a little while, and it gets uh, and it hardens into ice, into a solid ice plug, then uh, uh, there's a good chance that uh, that could, uh, that firing an additional round of that uh, could cause uh, uh, some damage to your firearm, some injury to you. And, uh, and the same thing goes for rainy weather because In rainy weather, uh, you get uh, the ground gets wet, it's muddy, slippery. Uh, 
is a lot more chances. And uh, we saw this during the last uh, running down the last uh, uh, running down event we had here. Uh, I actually saw people doing it, and uh, and that is with the with the ground when the ground is dry, uh, and you put your barrel uh, onto the ground, or it touches the ground, or something like that. It's, it's there's a lot less danger than whenever it's muddy. Uh, when it's muddy and you're slipping and slopping and you, you stumble and that barrel goes to the ground, that's the softened, muddy ground is a lot more likely to jam itself into the muzzle. So I would recommend uh, some type of a muzzle cover and uh, and something that you can shoot through. Uh, you know, the military, they have the uh, plastic end caps that uh, you could slide over the uh, over the flash suppressor on the ARs and uh, on the M16s, and uh, it would cover it, and you could shoot through it. And uh, that uh, that was uh, that's like the the best deal. Uh, I know people. Uh, I've read uh, uh, about the guys in uh, World War II and and since then using things like condoms and stuff like that, uh, or balloons, or uh, all the, all different types of things. But you need to think of something, figure out some way that you can safely. And and a lot of times I'll just take a piece of tape and uh, and just tape the uh, the opening. Uh, to the muzzle with a piece of tape, you know, and just cut it to fit it so that it's just uh, just covering the end of the muzzle and it doesn't allow stuff to get into the barrel, but I can still shoot through it if it's on the, on some type of a, uh, a rifle that has a solid barrel. And I bought a whole bunch of the, uh, the old uh, Army M16 caps off uh, eBay a while back, and I use those on my AR, uh, but that's... Uh, that's certainly another consideration. <laughs> uh, you know, Scout, uh, there's a product out there that works wonderfully for that job. Uh, a lot of folks forget about, and they've got them in the bathroom a lot of times. They make a gadget called a finger cot. And uh, use yeah, it when yeah. you can't put a bandage on the end of your finger, or sometimes folks use them to get a better grip. And they're really right. cheap. And... Uh, it's just like a midget condom, and they'll fit right over the end of that barrel, and you can shoot through it with no problem, uh, just enough to keep uh, dirt and crud out of it. And uh, kind of handy, you can get you some of them and uh, you know, throw one in your cleaning kit that you take out in the field or whatever, put it on if you need it. Right. Right, yeah, you can get those from uh, just about anywhere. I've seen them at the dollar store, just about anywhere. Any of the, uh, the first aid places, you can get those, and and just uh, pop one uh, over the end of the barrel, and uh, that will help keep it free of uh, of any foreign material. And it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, doesn't have to be cold or rainy. You can do that uh, at any time. Keep dirt uh, or other foreign objects from uh, from getting in there. Uh, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the the lubrication. Uh, for your firearms because uh, you can't take 
the same lubricant that you would use in the summertime and expect it to work efficiently in the wintertime. It's, they're designed for, for different temperatures. Uh, if you take that, uh, that gun grease that I was telling you about earlier with my grand, if I take that and I grease my grand down with that, and then uh, I move from my 70-degree temperature uh, down into uh, freezing or below, that gun grease is going to begin to harden. And a lot of the oils are too. So make sure that you're checking uh, the temperature range for your lubrication and make sure that that lubrication uh, is going to fit within the temperature ranges you're going to be operating in because if... If it's not made for operating in cold temperature, it's going to be like a like a break on the uh, the moving parts of your farm. It's going to be uh, slowing it down, maybe even preventing it from functioning at all. So make sure that you're checking the uh, the lubrication range and you're using the the right lubricants for the temperatures that you're going to be working in. Uh, Another thing is a lot of the modern firearms uh, are now manufactured with plastics and polymers. And the plastics and polymers are affected by uh, extreme cold uh, by virtue of the fact that they become a lot more brittle. And that means that say you take that nice... Uh, I know the, the P-Mags are really nice and sturdy uh, mags, and I don't really know what their temperature ratings are, but uh, but theoretically you could take a uh, any type of plastic, you get it nice and cold, really cold, like down at freezing and below freezing, <laughs> and you tap it onto the handle of that AR to make sure that the that the rounds are all seated properly to the back, and it may very well crack in half, uh, as in as many of the other plastic parts on your farm may do. They may they're going they may become more brittle. They may uh, they may be easier uh, for them to break or fracture. Though you need to keep that in mind. Uh, the uh, the temperature change is certainly going to cause them to. Uh, it's going to it's going to cause them to become more brittle. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, what about rain? Uh, rain makes everything uh, <laughs> makes everything wet, uh, and it could be cold rain. Rain. It could be warm rain. Uh, one of the things that uh, that I do, and uh, you may want to consider most of the the ammunition uh, that is manufactured now is made uh, to be water resistant. You know, it's made so that uh, so that water cannot get to the interior parts of it. But that's not something that I would bet my life on. So, if I have ammunition that has been uh, it's been out in the rain it's been 
soaking. It's been underwater uh, because if if I go in the water, my rifle goes in the water with me. So uh, if your ammunition has gotten wet, uh, if it's gotten soaked, uh, there's a good chance it's probably still going to function fine. But that may not be something that you want to bet your life on. Uh, so ammunition, uh, especially for my pistol and stuff like that, ammunition that, uh, that has gotten wet uh, gets moved to uh, my training pile. And uh, I'll usually put it in a, uh, I'll usually either mark on the package or put it in a Ziploc bag and mark it for the training pile because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to have a situation uh, where I'm depending on the ammunition uh, working flawlessly and uh, and have it have gotten wet and now be the uh, question about whether it's going to work or not. So make sure that you uh, make sure that you are. Uh, uh, paying attention to ammunition that uh, that has gotten wet or has uh, has been in any water for any amount of time, because there's a chance that it could uh, uh, it could have gotten damaged in some way. So. Uh, for uh, for practice or rehearsal ammunition, it could be perfectly fine, but uh, uh, I wouldn't want to to bet my life on it. Uh, with rain, as with snow or or, or any other form of precipitation, uh, one of the first things you want to do when you get back to a dry place is make sure that you. Uh, Make sure that you go, that you disassemble your firearm, and you make sure that you've gotten all of the water, uh, you've removed all the water from it, because uh, you know you handle your firearms with your bare hands uh, throughout the year, and uh, that can leave uh, salt uh, and other stuff on it, and uh, and the rainwater can cause uh, those uh, those salts and oil to migrate to places that uh, uh, that you can't wipe off with a uh, with a cloth, and uh, and that can lead to rust. So make sure that uh, when you get into uh, when you get back home and you get into a warm place, uh, and you need to wait for just a bit too to do this probably. Because what you want is you want the temperature, you want the rifle to the uh, uh, temperature to uh, to adjust to where you are. Because when if you're out in the extreme cold and you bring it in, it's certainly going to sweat. Uh, you want to make sure that you uh, that you get all the moisture out of the rifle. Uh, that you uh, even if you have to uh, you know just assemble it. If you've been out in the rain, that means that rain has, has been able to get to all of the uh all of the places in the rifle that you wouldn't normally you wouldn't normally get 
So make sure that you are uh, you're disassembling the rifle and then uh, you know then putting a light coat of oil on it like you normally would. <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> the rain, like I said, is going to make everything wet. That means things are going to be uh, slippery. Things that, especially if you do have a coat of oil on your firearm, it means that with a coat of oil and uh, and the water, that it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be slippery. It's going to be easier or or uh, easier for you, or harder for you to get a good grip on it at times. Uh, you'll have water that's running into your eyes and your ears. Uh, so uh, this is something that uh, that you're going to have to figure out how to deal with. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, and uh, uh, it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be an aggravation. It's going to uh, uh, it's going to affect the way that you move, the way that you grip things. Uh, it's going to affect the your your shoes being full of water is going to affect the way you move. So, and I was always amazed that uh, that as many people when we were doing the apple seeds, as many people uh, were willing to uh, to uh, to stay out in the rain and to. Uh, and to continue shooting during the apple seeds, as many people uh, were willing to do that as they were. Uh, there was even one case uh, where we were shooting at a brand new range, and the range owner had built the range a little bit too short. Uh, so for us to shoot at 25 meters, we had to back out all the way to the end of the range, and that meant that the the people actually had uh, they were on the the incline of the ditch. So from the from their waist down, they were actually in a ditch, and it filled up with water. And they continued to uh, to shoot. They continued to get down in it. They were determined to finish out the day, and and they did. But uh, uh, but I just thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, uh, one other thing about cold. Let me let me go back to that too. Is that uh, uh, the the when you're shooting at distance, uh, the air uh, the change the temperature changes. Uh, are going to affect your zero uh, because your ammunition is going to uh, uh, they're going to it's going to uh, your zero is going to be different in the colder denser air uh, than it is warm air so you're going to need to make sure that you uh, that you're making allowances for it uh, if you're reloading you know the ammo that you load uh, in the summer is not going to produce. Uh, it's not going to 
it's not going to function. It's not going to perform the same way that the ammunition loaded in winter is going to. All right? The moisture in your powder is going to vary uh, by the season uh, that you uh, that you load it up in. Uh, so make sure that you're, uh, uh, you're taking this into account. Uh, <clears throat> when you're shooting in the heat, and this is certainly something we've had a lot of experience with here in Texas because we would uh, run events uh, uh, during all of the summer months and uh, had a lot of people shooting uh, uh, in some very hot days. And the temperature was such that uh, with the sunshine and the temperature that they had to uh, fold their shooting mats or their carpets over onto the rifles if they weren't using them because uh, just in the the five minutes or or ten minutes at the most that uh, we took to give instruction, the rifles would become too hot to touch. Uh, This also will affect your... uh, uh, your bullet strike shooting a uh, a rifle that is uh, where the barrel is already really hot uh, is going to affect your zero. Uh, you should be familiar with what type of uh, uh, what type uh, I, w- I was going to say impact that's going to have on your shooting. Uh, I guess that's pretty much a, a literal thing there that we want to know how it's going to affect the impact of your round down range, uh, you yourself are going to, uh, you're going to be hot. You're going to sweat more. Uh, you're going to need more fluids to replace what you're sweating. Uh, sometimes in, in very severe heat, uh, a hundred degrees, uh, to 110 degrees, uh, is going to affect your reaction time. It's going to be slowed down. Uh, it's going to affect your thinking time. That's going to be slowed down. Being kind of slow down, the hotter it gets. Uh, so you need to take that into consideration. Uh, the uh, uh, And I tell people that uh, uh, when we were talking about uh, your dry fire game. I was telling people that uh, they should certainly make sure that uh, that they are when you're getting up in the morning, you get dressed. That uh, you're doing uh, several draws uh, out of your whatever you're going to wear that day, so that uh, so that you'll know how it's going to affect you. That's going to be whether you're wearing just a, a T-shirt or uh, or shooting uh, in a uh, in several layers of clothing in a uh, in a trench coat or, or or whatever you're going to wear. You should be doing your uh, 
practice draws in order to make sure that you're familiar with how you're going to uh, how you're going to move the clothing, how you're going to uh, clear your firearm. All right. <clears throat> all right, uh, Sam. You have anything that uh, that you wanted to add? I think what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring on uh, Mark is listening. Mark in Wyoming because uh, I'm sure he has some some tips uh, on what uh, what uh, some of these guys do in the cold. Mark, you there? Yes, sir. Well, I, I know that I've talked to you before about the, about you guys shooting in uh, snow and ice. Uh, you have any uh, you have any tips, any info on uh, on what you guys do during a really cold weather? Yeah, you gotta make sure you got all the all the oil off your bolt, out of your trigger mechanism, and otherwise it might not even go off for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring it back in the house. You might want to clean it a couple extra times, just like you said earlier, to make sure you get all the all the water and condensation out of one. Right, because when you bring that thing in the house, even if it even if it's a dry day, you bring that ice cold rifle in the house, it's going to start sweating. Oh yeah, big time. And uh, if you leave that on. It's going to rust up, so you want to make sure that once the once the rifle has uh, has returned uh, to the uh, uh, to the temperature inside the house, that you uh, you get all of that all of that condensation off of it. Uh, anything else that you guys uh, find? Uh, uh, I know that. Uh, uh, I know that uh, whenever you get really cold, your the physiology of your body uh, changes. You know, your blood is going to flow uh, differently. Your breathing is going to change. There's a good chance that you could develop, uh, uh, you know, some uh, involuntary shivers and stuff like that. Uh, You're going to, you may lose some fine motor skills. Uh, I did this just the other day, working out uh, uh, in the, uh, I think it was like 35 degrees and wet. It only took uh, about 10 minutes for my hands to get numb and stop obeying my my commands. Uh, so, uh, and that's even with gloves on, you know. So, uh, all of these things are going to affect uh, the way that you shoot. Uh, you have anything else that uh, that comes to mind, Mark? No, that's about what I had there. I hadn't even really thought about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but you guys, but you guys, uh, you guys do experience uh, uh, some really cold weather there, and I know that. Uh, uh, I know that most people there, they're just, when folks that live in cold weather are more geared up for it. So they, uh, they have more experience doing it, but, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't change, uh, physiology and it doesn't change uh, things like, uh, uh, condensation and stuff like that. But, but all right, 
will uh, just yell if you uh, if you've got All anything right. else, Mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dale. See ya. Uh, like I said, your body is going to uh, your body's going to act differently, and uh, uh, you you want to make sure that you uh, that you're experiencing this so that uh, you can understand uh, how it's going to to work on you. You got anything, Sam? Well, uh, you know, you talked about uh, ammunition that you loaded up in uh, in warm weather and all and different moisture contents and stuff. Uh, it pays to take your ammunition and figure out where it's actually going to shoot in cold weather and not so much a matter of uh, the recipe you loaded or how it went, but if you take a side in with a particular load, uh, that you ordinarily use, and uh, not only do you have problems with the air being denser when it's cold, the powder doesn't always ignite quite as, as nicely and uniformly as it does when it's hot. Uh, up in Alaska, uh, I found regularly that I needed another three clicks at 500 yards uh, to be hitting with my M1 simply because I wasn't getting as consistent an ignition. And a load that developed 2,700 feet per second at, uh, up in Utah when I loaded them up was just barely breaking 24. And that made it a noticeable uh, difference on point impact at long range. And it's something right. you need to be aware of and, and know what to do. Uh, generically, for every uh, 20 degrees that you get uh, below the temperature you worked up, you almost need to add one more click. Uh, that's something that I found to be quite helpful uh, just based on my own personal experience taking uh, and shooting in cold weather. Uh, another thing right. uh, that, that you can do, uh, we, we all get in the habit of oiling our firearms as a rust preventive and stuff on the exterior. Uh, I found that that washed off in heavy rain, uh, like we got in coastal Alaska. And one of the things I did uh, learn from locals up there, I don't put oil on the exterior of my guns anymore. I use a coat of Johnson's paste wax. I put it on while the gun's a little bit warm and smear it on there, let it kind of melt out, and then buff it off with a shoe brush. And it doesn't wash off when in the rain. It won't rinse off if you dunk the rifle. And it lets that moisture bead up. And it makes the surface sticky so your hand doesn't slide around on it. And I found that to be a really big aid. And uh, folks up there in, the, in coastal Alaska have been doing that for a long time uh, because it was the only thing that worked. And they get some pretty rough conditions on their uh, on their firearms up there. And, and uh, I adopted that from them and... and it works fantastically. So the oily rag doesn't doesn't wipe down the rifle anymore. This paste right now. Well, I use a, uh, I don't know the name of it now, but I use a, uh, a wax that I use on, uh, on some of my sculpture and stuff. 
it's actually a uh, a colored wax. It has a like a dark color in it. I don't use it on all the farms, but I I certainly have used it on uh, on quite a few, especially the uh, the ones like uh, oh, I had several infills that uh, didn't have any finish left on them anymore. And since I was going to keep them for myself as shooters, uh, I didn't have any problem with uh, with taking them, uh, taking all the parts over to the uh, soft wire wheel and uh, cleaning it down to uh, bare metal. And uh, once I'd done that, <clears throat> then I did like you were talking about, I put the the wax on, a good coating of wax, and rubbed it in really good, and then buffed it off, and then I would put another coat on. And uh, I tell you, I've, uh, I did that to a couple of the infields that I had, and it, uh, I'm using the darkened wax, too. It actually made a really nice finish, I thought, on it. And I've never had a speck of rust show up on them, ever. And... Uh, uh, it's been a very uh, 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 resilient coating. I use it on the uh, on the wood stock too, uh, and the only difference being that uh, the the wax on the wood will get a little bit dull with uh, with sitting there after a while. But you just take a, a cotton rag and you a couple of seconds of buffing, and it will buff right up to a high shine again. So will the metal. And uh works wonderfully. And yeah, I think it works great. Now I got a uh I got a whole bunch, I've got several cases of the uh I don't know why uh I ended up with it, but uh, I ended up with several cases of the extremely cold temperature oil. Uh because here in Texas we don't get extremely cold temperature. We call it extreme cold like 35 degrees, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I got several several cases of that, you know, 80 canes. But I, I use it for uh, for cleaning the firearms, and I'll use it for uh, the oil that I'll put on, uh, like before I before a rifle goes into storage, uh, because the the heavy oil I don't like that as much for storage. I like to store the the rifles as dry as I can get them, but I want to have a coating of oil on to make sure that uh, you know that I don't get rust. And uh, uh, it's a much lighter oil, uh, but I still use uh, I use the old. Matter of fact, uh, uh, the gun grease, those little the little grand tubs. You know, I bought yep. several cases of those uh, that were uh, packed uh, during World War II. And uh, and the grease is still just as good now as it was uh, then. And uh, that's what I use on my grand. And that's what it that's what it seems to like best. It likes a, a really uh, a thick layer of grease on everything. Something but, that folks... You know, folks that uh, like the ARs and stuff definitely need to use a much lighter weight oil in the wintertime. You know, when they're hanging around the surplus store, uh, they need to look for some LAW, which is the military's Arctic weight oil. 
and that's made for 10 below, and, and that will pour at 75 degrees below zero. And uh, it works in M16s and M60s to 60 or 70 below zero, and it doesn't thicken up. It'll only cut the rate of fire down by maybe uh, 20 rounds uh, a minute on full auto. So it doesn't get a lot of resistance when it gets cold, and they need to, to look at that. And uh, the firing pin springs on their bolt guns. If you're going to go somewhere arctic, uh, pull them out and get that grease out of there and, and uh, go to using a coat of oil on that spring. Because a lot of those old bolt guns are full of grease, and you'll take it out and uh, hit one of them cold snaps. 20 below and pull the trigger and you can watch the firing pin go down <laughs> right right well and the same thing too with the firing pin itself you want to make sure that you've cleaned that uh, you've taken the uh, the normal grease or, or uh, oil that you're using off and you have replaced it with the cold weather because anything that is obstructing in the, either in handgun, rifle, anything, anything that uh, anything that's grabbing onto that firing pin that is trying to move forward and strike that uh, that cartridge's primer uh, is going to slow it down, and it can slow it down enough that it will not uh, produce uh, an impact that will cause the cartridge to fire. You know, it takes a little care, and uh, if folks will actually go out and and get in weather and, and go out and uh, and practice and see what their equipment does. It makes all the difference in the world. Nothing will stick like a lesson learned from personal experience. Uh, get out there in that nasty weather once in a while and try it. The guys at the range may think you're a nut, but every little bit helps. And uh, the only way you can actually do it is, is to physically go out there and shoot. Uh, or you can go down to the zombie running gun and, and try it out there because Scott's going to have some mud for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, the uh, at the last event, <clears throat> we had a, a decent amount of rain at the end, and uh, and I actually uh, I actually saw, uh, I would say, three or four people at least that I actually saw uh, Stick their uh, muzzles in the uh, in the dirt, and uh, and I certainly called them on right at that time. I said, "Hey, you just stuck your uh, you just stuck your muzzle in the ground. You're gonna have to now. You're gonna have to to make sure that it's uh, that there are no obstructions in there because you just stuck it in the mud." And uh, sure enough, uh, all three of those people had, uh, like from a from a half inch to a couple of inches of mud in their barrels. And uh, that's a tragedy. I'm sure it happened to other right people. Yeah, I'm sure it happened to other people. And look, uh, you know, uh, probably nine times out of ten, you could shoot the obstruction out. I uh, believe me, I've seen I've seen people do it. But dang, on that tenth one. Uh, whenever that bullet expands and uh, it's got nowhere to go, and that uh, that barrel ends up like a, like one of those uh, cartoon cigars, 
you're going to be hurting, right? And uh, and uh, and in a self-defense situation, it may not function anymore. I mean, I've certainly uh, seen and and heard of uh, of folks in battle uh, from uh, from current day uh, situations in Afghanistan and Iraq, all the way back to uh, 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 the uh, uh, the locks in the American uh, uh, War for Independence. I've heard about muzzles that have, uh, 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 for one reason or another, and uh, and had them uh, continue to fire. You know, uh, even with the with the muzzle shredded at the end. But I certainly wouldn't count on that happening. I mean, I wouldn't count on that uh, working. So uh, uh, make sure that we would uh, that you're keeping those. The, the your muzzles covered, like we talked about earlier, because uh, it's very easy to uh, to misstep, to slip and slide in mud or rain or snow, and uh, and have that barrel go into the ground. And once it does, uh, then you're either going to have to roll the dice on squeezing that trigger. Uh, I'm not talking about in a training or, or in a practice situation. You'd never do that. Uh, I'm talking about if you were in a self-defense situation, you may have to go ahead and squeeze the trigger. You may not have any other choice. Uh, and it may work and it may not. But uh, you you don't want that to happen in the first place. So make sure that you've done something. Some tape over the barrel, some of the finger cuts, uh, a condom, a plastic cap, something that's going to keep... Uh, Obstructions from getting to the barrel do slip or, or, or fall or stick that barrel into the ground accidentally. Uh, uh, if you get out in the, in the bad weather and the mud and stuff, and you're not careful and you don't cover them up, it's going to happen to you. Uh, yeah, my nephew well, remarks all the time about the little Ithaca double that I have, a little double 16 gauge NID. It's got 19-inch uh, barrels on it, and it's an outstanding grouse gun. But I finally confessed to him the other day that at one time it had beautiful 28-inch full choke barrels on it. It was a pretty decent duck gun, <laughs> except that I got it in the mud. So now it's a grouse gun. You're going to do it, so get out the tape or a finger cut or something. You will do it, and... and uh, Hate to see you get injured, and hate to see you ruin a a right nice little gun. <laughs> right. Well, uh, you mentioned that uh, that we're going to be having the uh, running gun, and uh, so let me take the opportunity to let folks know about that again. Uh, April eleventh, two thousand fifteen, we'll be uh, running the. Uh, Battle Road USA's uh, End of the World as We Know It Zombie Destruction uh, Running Gun. And this is a biathlon. It's a four and a half mile looping trail. Eight shooting stations for rifle and pistol along the trail, along as well as uh, obstacles between the stations that you'll have to negotiate. None of the obstacles are made to try and break you or anything. We're just we're just giving you things to do so that you can see how your gear 
functions as you're doing these things, as you're crawling through uh, an underground trench or you're uh, crawling under barbed wire, you're climbing up over a wall, uh, any of these things that you're doing. And we're going to have a uh, zip line over a, uh, uh, over a stock tank this time. So you can see... You can see what happens when you drop your water in the stock, your uh, rifle in the stock tank. <laughs> so, uh, if you'd like to attend the event, you can go to uh, battleroadusa.com, and uh, you'll find the uh, uh, the information there as well as the registration page. But we also have uh, uh, several other classes coming up uh, in the. Uh, let me pull up the uh, the uh, page with the dates and stuff so I can give it to you accurately. We also have several other classes coming up. The uh, uh, the next class we'll have is going to be March 14th and 15th. This is the uh, Beef and Game Processing class. And what we're going to do is we're going to go out to the field. We're going to harvest a... Uh, a uh, beef and a hog. We'll take them and we'll skin them, we'll clean them, we'll quarter them, hang them in the cooler, and uh, and we may uh, or may not have some other small game, uh, rabbits, squirrels, and stuff like that, depending on on what I can get. Uh, and then the next day, and this will be a two-day class, Saturday and Sunday, on Sunday, uh, we'll come back and we will take the it won't be the same beef because I'm actually going to harvest a beef this coming weekend. I'm going to hang it because I want the beef only needs to be aged uh, in order for you to get uh, the best flavor from it. Uh, so it will be aged uh, about 21 days. And then we'll take that aged beef and the hog, which doesn't need to be aged. It just needs to, to run overnight in the cooler to get the meat firm. And we will... Uh, We'll process those and make the cuts uh, that we want to make. We'll end up making some hamburger and some sausage. Uh, there'll be some class on the uh, the history of uh, of butchering and uh, and and uh, and we'll give you some of the information on it on why it's done certain ways and uh, stuff like that. And then uh, folks will. Uh, We'll give you uh, like a pound or so of hamburger to take with you, and then uh, also offer you the opportunity to purchase uh, some beef or, or pork. Uh, and this is uh, all uh, organic grass-fed beef that we've raised here. <laughs> That's uh, March 14th and 15th. Uh, April 11th, we'll have the running gun uh, on April 25th and 26th. We're running uh, another uh, two-day uh, Ghost of Goliad Fundamentals or Rifle course. And this is the two-day Fundamentals course that uh, that we run here, and it's an excellent course for whatever skill level that, uh, that you have, uh, from beginner to, uh, to expert. You're going to get your money's worth from the two days because we're – it's not a baby class. It's not a beginner's class. It's a fundamentals class. Fundamentals uh, 
of the things that you'll need no matter what your skill level or where your shooting path is taking you. Uh, on the 9th of May, we'll have the uh, Battle Road Fighting Shotgun class. That's a one-day class on a Saturday. <clears throat> and uh, I think it's a really great class because almost everybody I know keeps a shotgun uh, for home defense. But but that's almost the limit of what they've done. They've gotten a shotgun and some ammunition, and that's for home defense. But very few of the folks uh, really know... Uh, really know the uh, the abilities or the limitations of the shotguns. They don't really, they've never really spent uh, any uh, real amount of time uh, running that shotgun. We're going to teach you how to do that. We're going to teach you uh, uh, how to uh, uh, how to very rapidly fire the shotgun. And we want to be, we want to get you to where you're firing uh, two to three rounds per second with a shotgun. We're going to teach you uh, how to retain control of the shotgun uh, if you're in a situation where you're uh, uh, where you where somebody has grabbed hold of it or they're trying to wrestle it from you, which could happen. And if you're moving through your house with a shotgun or something like that, we're going to teach you how to uh, retain control uh, of the firearm. Uh, we're going to get you to zero with slugs. And uh, it's a great class. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I usually, I'll usually shoot through it, even though uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm helping to instruct. I'll usually end up shooting through it because I I like to I like to keep myself current with the shotgun. Uh, on the May 30th, 31st, we'll run another Ghost of Goliath Fundamentals two-day course. Uh, on June 6th and 7th. We'll have a two-day handgun course, and this is going to be day one. Will be the pistol craft course, and day two will be the fighting handgun course. You can either take the uh, one, uh, you can either take the one or both of them. Now, in order for you to take the fighting handgun course, you'll need to either take uh, our level one course, which is pistol craft, or to show us. Uh, that you have attended some other uh, equal course because um, the level one course isn't a beginner's class either. It's not where we teach you to shoot a handgun. We expect you to uh, to arrive uh, knowing how to knowing how to operate your handgun safely and competently. Uh, and the the level one course is a continuation. Of that, it's not a course to teach you how to use your handgun, uh, and that'll be June 6th and 7th, and you can register for one or both. And then on uh, June 27th and 28th, we'll run another two-day Ghost of Goliath Fundamentals course. Now in July, uh, I'm working out uh, a uh, course with Caleb Cossey of Lone Star Medics and John Hurth of Tier Group. And uh, this will be a, a three-day full immersion course where we're, we'll be running uh, patrolling techniques, including night movement, night patrol, stuff like that, and combat medicine. So that's going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic course. That'll be in July. We haven't finalized the dates on it yet. Everybody's trying to make sure that 
that we've got this clear and we've got the right dates uh, for everybody, but that will, but I'm pretty sure it will be in July. Just keep checking the website for that. But that's what we have coming up. In addition to that, we've got uh, CHO classes um, that I don't have posted yet, and and we're always willing to tailor a class uh, to your group, to your individual or your group's needs. Okay, so if you uh, if you have uh, a group of folks and you would like a uh, a class in anything. If you want it to be handgun or a shotgun or rifle, uh, if you want it to be tracking or land navigation or, or uh, medicine, whatever you want, uh, get in touch with us, and we will see about uh, setting up a class for your group. Same thing with the CHL. If you've got a group of folks that... Uh, uh, that you would like to all go to the CHL course together, we'll be glad to set up a course for you. Uh, just uh, contact us through the contact uh, feature on the website, and uh, and we will uh, we'll be glad to work with you on setting up a course. All right, uh, I believe that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, next week. We'll have uh, a friend of ours on, uh, Rick Smith, and uh, we've got a show set up on situational awareness. Um, this is something we usually talk about, uh, uh, at least briefly, during the CHL courses and during our handgun courses, because we want you to understand that being aware of your situation, uh, being aware of the situation that uh, that is developing around you uh, could be your best defense uh, in a self-defense situation. Understanding what is happening, uh, how it normally uh, unfolds, and the things that you can do uh, to either stop the event from unfolding or to avoid it in the first place. Uh, your your very best defensive weapon is your mind and your ability to be aware of these situations as they are developing or the way that they could potentially develop. So we're going to devote uh, a couple of hours to that uh, next Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Central. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for tonight. And uh, and uh, if, like I said, if you guys have that, uh, we do. I, I do the show to bring information that I think is relevant to you. And if there's something that you want to hear, best thing to do is to. Uh, it's to contact me. You can uh, contact me through the Battle Road USA website, through the Battle Road Radio Facebook page, or you can email me at rangescout at hughes.net, R-A-N-G-E-S-C-O-U-T, all one word, lowercase, at hughes, 
H-U-G-H-E-S dot net. All right. Thank you, Sam. Uh, thanks, uh, uh, Mark. Thank you, Scout from Wyoming. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Till then, God bless uh, and keep you all.
lights in the skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. Not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 